it's amazing that people don't realize how much they need community until they really need it. Basically, we're there to create community. Apartment life and being a CARES team actually provides the opportunity to bring diversity together that would not happen without some intentionality. And that's why it's, it's such an amazing, really, phenomenon that uh, apartment life exists and the, basically the housing industry is kind of funding this wonderful ministry that's bringing people together. Welcome to Grace and 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'm hosting the show solo tonight. About two years ago, I experienced a major flood in my condo after a contractor triggered a sprinkler head. As I feverishly worked to stem the flow of water and save my belongings, I was struck by the fact that only two people do have been uninvited to help me. It was a couple from Costa Rica. I was initially pretty angry about this, and then I realized I hardly knew my neighbors, and even worse, I hadn't made the effort to get to know them. I asked myself what I have immediately dived in and helped one of them if they were going through the same thing, and unfortunately the answer was probably not. Tonight's guests are working to address this very issue. Mike and Michelle Husfeldt are part of a new ministry called Apartment Life that works to develop deep relationships and a sense of community and service among neighbors and apartment complexes. Mike is doing this in addition to his work as an Air Force chaplain, including stints in Afghanistan and Arlington Cemetery. And Michelle is doing it after raising five children and volunteering on military bases around the world. Tonight, they join us to talk about the importance and joy of knowing and helping our neighbors. Mike and Michelle, welcome to Grace and 30. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. A few years ago, Mike, your job required you to work in the city, and you and Michelle decided to move there. Tell us what led to that decision and how it resulted in you guys launching the D.C. Apartment Life Ministry. Well, it's really something we've tried to do as we've been a military family moving around every two or three years and having to start over, uh, pick up new relationships and, and the like. And we were trying to uh, be neighbors where we were. And uh, one time, Michelle actually saw the book Art of Neighboring, and that led to a lot of conversations together, which eventually led to us making the move into D.C. and kind of going about it full time. When I talked to you, Michelle, you talked about people. They're hungering for community now, yes. and, they're, and they're not realizing it, so you're gotten, trying to change that, correct? Yes, yes. It's, it's amazing that people don't realize how much they need community until they really need it. So tell us a little bit about the, the, the Apartment Life Program. You know, I understand it's a faith-based nonprofit. Give us some of the statistics. How many cities are you all in? What are you guys doing in your particular building? And... You know, what do you do? How do you engage your neighbors? Well, it is a, faith, a faith-based nonprofit organization. It was started in Texas, and I believe it was in 2000 that they started. They're in about 200 cities right now. They came to the D.C. area about two years ago to launch in this area. And I believe we have around 20 teams right now in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., uh, we are the only apartment building in uh, D.C. proper uh, right now, and basically we're there to create community. We are There's the business model side of it, which is attractive to the apartment owners and the management staff, uh, which says, you know, basically when people feel like they are part of a community, they are uh, 
willing to give better social media reviews. They want to stay longer. They tell their friends about living there and, and what a great place it is to live. Crime rates are down. Um, and so for them, the bottom, the bottom line is the dollar. Um, they're going to make more money by having people who are satisfied who feel like they're part of the community. For us, um, we are actually living out our faith. Um, in the Art of Neighboring book, uh, Dave Runyon and, and Jay Pathak talk about what if Jesus meant to love your actual neighbors, those people who live right next door to you. And so I think something that Mike and I have kind of come to realize that um, many times the people who live right next door to us are not people that we would have chosen to live next door to, which, which makes it a little bit more challenging. But, but that's what Jesus said. And so we're just basically trying to live out what he's asked, it to, asked us to do. So you've been there about a year now? A year, year and a half? Yes. February was a year. Okay. And um, you were telling me some, there's some statistics on the website. It says 83% of apartment residents and 92% of their staff said there's a sense of community stronger when there's a CARES group. It's basically you drop a team in there and you call them a CARES team. And is it basically you guys are the whole team right now in your building? Yes. So a CARES team would be a couple, um, typically a married couple. Sometimes there are two females that make up a team, sometimes two males that make up a team. Um, but we are the the basic uh, CARES team in that building. And then we have volunteers come. Um, we have a lot of volunteers from our church, which is a great way to connect the residents in our building to a local church. So we'll have uh, people come from our church come and volunteer um, in, at our events. We do three events a month, typically. And what are those so. events? How, how do you get people engaged? One of the things that, uh, to go back just a second, one of the things that's interesting about meeting pa- people and what prevents us from uh, having the courage to step out in faith, so to speak, and knock on someone's door are presuppositions. Uh, you, you may think there's nothing in common there. Before we actually moved into the city, uh, we had a house across in, in this regular kind of suburb uh, south of D.C. Uh, there was a, a very nice home just across the street, and we probably lived there three months before we realized someone actually lived in that house. The way the community was designed, the garages were in the back. You could literally pull in and never meet anyone. And, and just to just to kind of give an illustration that you know sometimes your fears are very unfounded. Uh, we were trying to reach out to that neighborhood and kind of bring people together on a weekly basis or monthly basis. We knocked on the door once and finally had a conversation to discover not only did someone live there, but we both went to the same school. We were both military members. He was actually associated with some units that I was associated with, and there were a lot of things actually in common. And I think you find that even though there are some things that keep us certainly distinct and some uh, some uh, cultural issues maybe to overcome or whatever, there are we're still people, and we have that in common. And the scripture says, if you love God, you need to also love your neighbor, and that's that's what apartment life allows us to do. Yeah, and it's funny when when people said, well, who is my neighbor? You know, Jesus picked people that were despised Samaritans, people that were like, you you wouldn't think that's my neighbor and the person I'm supposed to reach out to. Tell us some stories about this. I mean, again, I do want to talk about how you engage people. You mentioned food. Everybody's such a foodie now. There's multiple food networks, and food just seems to attract people, especially millennials. And also, I want to hear some stories about people, you know, that you've reached out to. I told you earlier uh, about how I knocked on a neighbor's door who was making noise uh, this morning and and, and met someone and and started what I believe is going to be a really cool friendship. Just got to take that step, that first step of saying hello to someone, knocking on a door. 
tell us how you get people engaged in talking to one another. Going back to the three events that we have each month, our community is, is pretty diverse in that we are in a luxury high-rise apartment building in downtown D.C. We have 281 units in the building, and of those units, 53 of those units are affordable housing units. So those were residents who most of them lived in the building prior to them tearing their building down and rebuilding this. Um, sh the Shaw neighborhood is, is, in, is uh, one of the neighborhoods that has been really into the gentrification um, movement. And so, so when they built this new high rise, they had to let some of these um, previous residents come back and live. And so not only are we creating community in this area, but we're creating community between these two very diverse groups. Yeah, that's really, you mentioned something about a volunteer event and there was some, um, a woman and her sons were working alongside attorneys, you know, high paper attorneys. Yeah. Tell, tell us things like that because it's it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a great event. We we actually um, had our residents go to volunteer at Food for All DC, which is a, a organization that packs and then delivers food to homebound residents in the DC area. And so Mike and I just it was just so cool for us to to stand back and watch and see the people who were there. We had a young couple that just got married last year. Uh, she is an attorney. He works for the government. Uh, we had one of our affordable housing families there. The mother, uh, her grandson was there who was six years old. Her son was there who was 14. Um, and then we had a diplomat's daughter with us as well. So all working together toward a common goal of going out to provide you know, food for these um, homebound residents in D.C., and so it was just kind of, you know, where else would you find these people associating with each other and, and working together? Apartment life and being a CARES team actually provides the opportunity to bring that diversity together that would not happen without some intentionality. And that's why it's, it's such an amazing, really, phenomenon that uh, apartment life exists and the, basically the housing industry is kind of funding this wonderful ministry that's bringing people together, improving the bottom line. But uh, as you kind of alluded to uh, in your story about the flood, there's, there's something happened uh, culturally that's not a great thing that's, that's disconnecting us. The more we're connected to our cell phones and we can go out and find any information we want, and some, you know, obviously that can be a great thing, but in some ways, it means we've got to be even more intentional to actually press flesh and, and meet. And there's so many things that uh, out there that give the appearance that no one's talking to each other. And certainly there's some truth to that. But I would say there's a lot of uh, points of light, so to speak, uh, that are happening. And, and it, but it's not always happening in the confines of an apartment building. One of the, again, back to the business model, one of the reasons that people leave a, a, an apartment community is they don't feel like they have community. And uh, this gives us an amazing opportunity and platform to not only uh, be salt and light and, and love God, love neighbor, but just to help bring people together and, and bring a little more humanity and decency to one another's lives. It's funny that I do this all the time. I'll complain about something, but I'm not doing anything to make it any better. And wh Why do you think you mentioned social media? and that we're, we're becoming increasingly isolated. Do you think that's the primary reason we're disconnected, or are there other reasons? You know, uh, our families are broken up now. There's, you know, all over the country. We don't have, you know, we're not in the same neighborhoods and towns anymore. And what, what do you think the cause of this is, this disconnect? 
I, I certainly haven't done you know the, the scientific studies behind it, but I, I know years ago we were in Tucson and we did a we were in a home group and we kind of talked about the whole Hebrew calendar and the twenty four hour clock, and and I think there's something that. Uh, when we're literally, literally and figuratively wired all the time, I, I, I think it, it does something different to our mentality, our emotions, and sometimes we're just wiped out. We come back home and we don't necessarily feel like uh, being social, and uh, I think that's one reason. And so it was just we came to a point where we were challenged to to kind of kind of live out our faith even more intentionally every day. And to do that, you sometimes have to sacrifice something and be intentional to, to make some steps so that you can have some moments uh, to really engage with people in a way that you wouldn't if you weren't being intentional. Yeah, it's interesting that more stats from your site. One of them is 93% of apartment staff said that the CARES team increased the quality of life for their residents. That's a high number, 93%. Are you guys kind of measuring this all the time and trying to... You know, get get a quantify the effect that uh, having a team like this on site has. One of the things Michelle and I get to do is visit uh, residents, new residents, and kind of ask about their satisfaction, and also um, visit residents a few months before while they're making a decision about their lease. Uh, Michelle, maybe tell a story of some of the comments we've had about residents saying our impact. Yeah, it it has been pretty um, pretty exciting to hear not only the residents. Um, the stories that they have, but also the management staff. We have a very supportive management staff where we are, and they will comment uh, quite often about how you know somebody will come down and say, you know, this is this is the best place that I've lived because you guys have events and you guys you know have things for us to do, and you know I've, I meet my neighbors. I've never you know I was living in, a, in another building on in Dupont Circle, and I never met my neighbors, and. Um, so so yeah and and I think too um, something something that apartment life um, something that we we strive to do is to work together with the management team and to kind of relieve you know they are very busy people they have a lot going on and so there are some residents who need some extra just some extra time and attention that the management staff doesn't necessarily have the time um, to be able to give them and they're not there in the evenings and you know on weekends and things and so. One of the ladies that is in our building, she's an older lady. She's wheelchair bound. Um, she's been kind of known around the building as as a difficult resident, and so we were warned about her when we first moved in. And so we kind of took that as a challenge. Let's let's show grace to her. Let's be nice to her. Let's spend time with her. And so other people would say like, you know, why are you wasting your time? But but for us, it's it's again, it's it's simply loving our neighbor, and and she really does not have anybody else. She called a couple of weeks ago when we had that windstorm, and she called um, kind of late at night, and she was concerned. She was very concerned, and she said, she said, I have a CPAC um, breathing uh, machine, and she said, if the electricity goes off during the middle of the night, nobody else will come and check on me. She said, you're the only people in the building that I know. And, you know, can you please come and check on me if the electricity goes out? So um, I had been up to her apartment a few weeks uh, earlier than that. We had had an event, and she is gluten-free, and so we had some leftover gluten-free pizza. So I told Mike, you know, I'll, I'll take this on up to her. And so I literally stood outside of her door for 45 minutes and listened to her. I said very few to very few words to her. I just listened to her. And she has a lot of health issues and concerns, and 
as I'm listening to her just kind of rant and rave and um, and a lot of it was complaining and um, you know every once in a while I would just kind of interject something and but I had this overwhelming sense and you talked earlier about how grace grace causes you to do some weird things some unconventional things and so I just had this urge um, to hug her which was so unconventional and like I said she's in a wheelchair she has a lot of health issues um, you know she can't go to the bathroom by herself and so um, but I just the whole time I just kept thinking when, when this conversation is over I need to give her a hug and so finally the conversation ended and I said you know can I just give you a hug and she's like oh no you can't hug me um, you know she said you know I'm not dressed I you know, all these excuses and everything and I said oh I just need to hug you and I just left thinking, I'm not sure what all that was about or where that came from, but she needed somebody to hug her. She needs, yeah. you know, a human touch and just somebody to listen to her. Yeah, that word listening comes up over and over. Nobody listens to each other anymore. It's it's ridiculous. Um, and you, you talk to the quantitative, and then there's just a, you go from a place where nobody knows each other and people are actually saying hi to each other and stopping to talk and actually helping each other out. That's really a cool thing. That's, that's become a goal of mine in my building now is to engage the neighbors and start to, to work together to make it a better community. Mike, I want to just talk a little bit. You've been in the Air Force for 24 years. You're a chaplain, a colonel, and uh, you've been in interesting places. You've been over in Afghanistan, and are you currently at Arlington now, or you've served at Arlington Cemetery, correct? Yeah. I've served at Arlington in the past and now stationed in D.C. Yeah, and I read an interview, an article on you about how you made a special connection being in Afghanistan with the troops that are serving out there in a war zone and then working at Arlington, how it made sort of really made the importance of what's done at Arlington resonate with you. Tell us a little bit about that and tell us what you've learned from, from your service that you've extended over to apartment life. What an honor to serve at Arlington National Cemetery. It's known as our nation's most hallowed ground and uh, as a chaplain or honor guard or, you know, they, they have all the services have their elite honor guard there. There are premier bands from the various services and then the chaplaincy at Arlington. And we're really the only ones with our offices there. And, and what an honor it is to come alongside our, our family members of our fallen uh, to, to be an active duty chaplain, having deployed several times, uh, experience uh loss of life and, and, and certainly uh, come alongside chaplains as they were dealing with those. The last opportunity I had was with uh, some of our special forces in Afghanistan and, and trying to support those chaplains who were embedded with them. And to see, uh, it, it's just inspirational to know that our nation gives so much care and concern to take care that we honor our fallen. So to, to have left that environment, come here and then see some of the same units uh, have fallen after while serving at Arlington, it's, it's just a great humbling honor to serve and, and try to honor them. Yeah, we've had two tomb guards on the show. One, one I think, was badge number 19. And then we had another one who's become a movie producer and produced the movie on the unknowns, it's mm. called. It was a award-winning uh, hour-and-a-half documentary. So what has these experiences in Afghanistan and the Air Force and all helped you, given you to, to step into this apartment life role? Have they taught you something unique, given you some unique perspective? Well, I had a, a, a commander once during one of the deployments, you know, uh, basically, I, I think it was really kind of getting to what a, a junior high teacher said, always stay calm, cool and collected, the three C's. And I remember, you know, we, we tend to get upset over any kind of small thing uh, when you're kind of stateside. And 
Uh, kinda, Is that an American thing? <laughs> kind of get ramped up over things you really don't need to get ramped up about. And I remember hearing this uh, this general officer, you know, staff member go to take a problem to him. And he was like, is, is anybody getting shot at? You know, is, is anybody dying? Okay, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And so it just basically brings perspective. And so I, I think trying to live out your faith in an environment that is maybe not quite as culturally friendly as it maybe was at one time, what are we really worried about? Uh, I mean, if someone walks away or doesn't receive our, our gest- gesture of grace, um, you know, that's okay. We can at least plant the seed and make the effort to try to show love. So I think uh, serving in the military and trying to be in a, a CARES team or just trying to live out a person of faith, uh, it, it helps put perspective that uh, let's not, let's, let's not uh, sweat the small stuff. I, I hear you. That's, that's great advice. And Michelle, you're working at North Star Church Network. We've had them on the show. I, I, we've had Brian Jones and Kirsty Sherman, and they did this food fight event where they packed, I think, like five million meals or something yeah. over a weekend. So, um, and you also have a blog that you do called White Sand and, and Teacups. Share with us, give us some morsels of wisdom that you gained over there, because I read a couple of your blog entries, and uh, you know, I love the one where it said. You, let me know if you need anything. You, you, we we got to be proactive instead of saying, oh, well, if you need something, let me know. If you see a need, step in and serve someone. Tell us tell us about how you came to that, write that blog, and what, what experience you went through. Well, um, that goes back to uh, many years ago, at our, actually at our first duty station. We were at uh, Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina. And Mike, of course, had deployed. I had a six-week-old, actually, I think she was six months old, I had a six-month-old baby, I had a two-year-old, and a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. And he was gone. Of course, our parents are in Florida. And I was sicker than I think I've ever been. And I just thought, you know, I think the the five-year-old is going to have to do dinner tonight because I can't even get out of bed. <laughs> and, and that's not going to happen. Is this the chicken pox <laughs> time, too, or is that another one? <laughs> that was a different time. <laughs> so... So the seven-year-old was the the brother, and so the five-year-old was the sister, so she would have to to take over. Um, And I remember the phone rang that night, and I thought it was Mike, and it wasn't. It was my friend Jo Lynn, who lived across the street from us. And Jo Lynn and I were friends. We were in a Bible study together, a neighborhood Bible study together, and then our kids played together. We didn't know each other super well, but but she was a good friend um, out of this Bible study. And so Jo Lynn was on the phone, and, and when she realized that I was sick, she hung up the phone, and probably about 15 minutes later, I could hear her. She came into my house. She gathered my children, including my baby, and she came back to my bedroom and just kind of whispered to me. She said, I'm taking your kids over to my house for dinner and, and to spend the evening. And I just thought, wow, like like she didn't call me and say, oh, you know, I know that you're deathly ill, and if you need anything, just let me know. Like she was proactive and thought, you know, as a mother, I know what she needs. I need she needs for somebody to take care of her children, and and so she came and did that. And so last year I had uh, surgery, and I was kind of thinking the same thing. And and there were several people who were very nice and had great intentions, but they would say to me, you know, oh, let me know if you if you need anything. And I just thought, how many times do people tell us that? And we're not going to say, oh, you know, can you do this or can you do that? But when somebody calls and says, I'm bringing dinner over tonight, what would you like for dinner? Um, 
Or I, just show up with it like the woman did. She just exactly. came and did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard a story. I, I spoke at a mops group a couple of weeks ago, and one of the young ladies there said she has a next-door neighbor, and um, the husband had been ill for a while. He was in the hospital, and so after Christmas, the Christmas decorations were still up for, like, into January, into the end of January. And so she just took it upon herself to go over there one day and take the Christmas decorations down. Oh, and, that's great. You know, and she said, you know, I, I kind of thought, you know, maybe they would think I was weird or, but it was just a practical need that she saw, you know, that was blessing somebody. And so, yeah, so the title of that blog was What Not to Say to Your Neighbors. That's great. So. And that's probably a perfect segue into the, the call to action. The interviews, I told you, they go by fast. We've got a couple of minutes left. Um, how would you like to challenge listeners? You can issue one or two calls to action, or you can just share what's on your heart that you want to share with listeners. But Michelle, why don't we start with you? How would you like to challenge people? I think one of the most important things and one of the easiest things that you can do to start uh, initiating relationships with your neighbors is to find out their names. So many times we live next door to people, and it, and it might be kind of awkward if you live next door to them for a couple of years and you have to ask them what their name is. But if you think about when people call you by name, just how powerful and how sweet it is to hear somebody tell you, to call you by name. I remember we have one of our residents who is a, uh, she works at the Giant uh, right down the street from us. And so I was in Giant not long ago and from across the celery and carrot aisle, I could hear somebody say, hey, Michelle. And it was our our friend Lynette. And so it was just like so heartwarming that, that she knows my name and that she calls me by name. And so I would challenge people to learn your neighbor's names and um, and use it. Uh, yes, yes. And and when you say see them outside, you know, hey Ed, how are you today? And they're, you know, it'll make a huge difference when people think that you know their name. Mike, what would you like to share? Well, quickly, I'll go back to the story of Michelle going up in the middle of an event. Uh, she went up to share a pizza with this neighbor, and minute minute went by, minute went by. You know, thirty minutes later, I'm down there hosting all these people. I'm wondering what is Michelle doing. All that to say, kind of jokingly, I knew God was using her where she was. And sometimes faith says you have to adjust what your plans are and be flexible. Uh, so I would say be flexible. Expect that God wants to use you. Uh, it, the, I keep going back to hearing devotionals and sermons and scripture that say walk by faith and not by sight. When you do that, you may have to adjust your plans. As Henry Black could be said, experiencing God, you have to adjust your plans. But trust that God's going to use you. If you take that step of faith, he's going to multiply that and use you to his glory and to be a blessing to those around you. That's beautiful. And, you know, Jesus, he would stop for people, the lowest of the low. He would stop and disciples be pushing him along and he would stop and deal with people so listen guys thank you so much for joining us love what you're doing and uh it's it's practical and important work i mean if we get community going like this it can have such a, a major effect i think on our society in general and on america if listeners want to find out more about apartment life check them out on the web at apartmentlife.org you can also find michelle's blog at white sandandteacups.com. Did I get that right? Yes, yes. A replay of the show can be found at thegraceand30.com and wera.fm websites, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Mixcloud. This is Ed, Mike, and Michelle signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night, and be sure to tune into Grace.